Podcast with your host, Nick Jaworski. We bring you the business of recovery because those struggling with addiction need you to be here tomorrow as well as today. As all regular listeners of the show are aware, I'm a huge advocate of clinical outcomes tracking, so I'm proud to have my favorite tracking software, Track9, as a sponsor of this show. Track9 Informatics is a measurement-based care and data analytics tool for substance use disorder and mental health treatment across the continuum of care. It assesses a combination of pathology and resilience factors scientifically proven to be most critical to client success. Track9 identifies which clinicians excel at treating various client symptoms so you can match the clinician best suited to the client's specific needs. Track9 also provides much-needed feedback-informed care loops to help clinicians themselves improve. What's really interesting is that Track9 learns your facility-specific predictors of treatment success or failure and provides treatment failure risk alerts, which can help lower AMAs by as much as 39%. If you listen to my podcast with owner Jared Dempsey, he talks about how different facilities achieve different results based on internal talent, systems, and the unique characteristics of their patient population. Track9 displays program performance versus national averages, which you can use to identify improvement opportunities and support payer negotiations. To learn more, visit www.track9.com. That's T R A C and the number 9. Com. Thank you for joining me here on the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski, CEO of Circle Social Inc., a strategic marketing and operational consulting firm in the field of behavioral health and addiction treatment. Today, we are speaking with Jason Perillo. He is uh, Chief Marketing Officer or CMO of HiWatch. Um, HiWatch, as many of you probably know, is one of the oldest treatment programs in the country, founded by Bill W. and Partners. And he has some ideas on marketing that I think are extremely valuable and often lacking from the space, which is why I wanted to bring him on. We've had a couple episodes on marketing and various aspects of it, but his focus is on building presence in communities and building results slowly over time, focusing on the qualitative and quantitative aspects, which can be a challenge. Right. When we are looking at marketing, a lot of people are looking for immediate results these days. And obviously you have to have some kind of short term results. Right. You want to be able to establish ROI. You want to make sure that things are working. But when you are looking at uh, building a really quality treatment program and communicating and reaching people in your communities, connecting patients to quality care over the long term, you have to look at leading indicators that are not always going to be a call or an admission. And so how do you think about that? Right. If I need to determine my ROI over a six month window, if I am looking at display channels like TV, radio, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, these channels don't generate direct calls. And a lot of treatment providers struggle with this idea that if I can't see the calls coming in from the channel through my call tracking software, then I can't establish ROI, which is untrue, right? 
Um, to really run sophisticated marketing, you need much more than just simple final attribution. You really have to understand the patient journey. You have to understand your leading indicators. You have to understand what KPIs are relevant on what channels. Um, calls and admissions are often not the correct KPIs to be looking at for any kind of display channel. As I uh, mentioned in the podcast, you can't watch TV, see an ad for a car, and then drop what you're doing and go buy a new car. Nobody does that. That's not the way that most display marketing works, which is completely different from bottom of funnel, high intent search marketing where you know I want a pizza, I look for a pizza restaurant near me in a new city if I'm staying at a hotel, and then I scroll through and you know find it either through a Google ad or an organic search result or a Yelp review. It's very, very easy to see, very, very easy to track, but the vast majority of marketing doesn't work that way. And as I've repeatedly said in a lot of the content that we put out through Circle Social, you know, only about 20% of all patients going into treatment are searching for treatment on Google in a crisis call. Even if they're doing research, a lot of them are finding their research from other channels and other sources. So to just focus on the people that are searching in crisis or searching on Google, you're limiting yourself to 20% of the total possible patient population. Um, How do you reach that other 80% that don't use Google to search for a treatment facility? You have to get on other channels. You have to be on TV. You have to be on radio. You have to have business development support. You have to have Facebook campaigns that are pushing out there. Um, And so we we talk with Jason about how he thinks about that, how he marks it. And also thinking about the ROI aspect, Highwatch spends a significant amount of money and they're actually fairly well known for making big investments. And so sometimes that is in conferences and the events that they have at conferences. Um, They are running a global exchange on mental health and addiction that they're holding in Orlando um, at the end of this year, actually. A very massive investment. And they're also actually creating documentaries in the space. And so, I mean, documentaries take a lot of time, a lot of money. What is the thought process there? How do we think about returns on these massive investments with these long-term timelines? Uh, Jason gives us a lot of insight into how they see that and how it's worked for them. So I think it's an extremely valuable conversation. It's one that's very relevant and timely um, as the market has become more saturated and there's really massive amounts of competition in the space now. Um, Competing on the same channels in the same way as everyone else puts you at a disadvantage. And so HiWatch is actually thinking pretty intelligently about this in a way that I think a lot of other providers could learn from. So excited to have him on with that. Let's jump in. Hey, Jason, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Uh, do you want to take a moment, just kind of introduce yourself and HiWatch? Sure, Nick. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So I am the Chief Marketing Officer at HiWatch Recovery Center in Kent, Connecticut. We were founded in 1939 uh, by Bill Wilson, Marty Mann, and, and a lot of other uh, key pioneers in recovery. And the focus of the work that I do is to obviously ensure that we at High Watch, our 78 residential beds, our 30 sober living beds, that they're full. Uh, but at the same time is also to change the discussion about High Watch within the recovery community to elevate the brand. You know, there's a lot of different audiences that I talk to uh, as a component of that. But, um, but you know, of course, like, like anybody else, I'm just trying to, uh, to present High Watch in the best light possible. Well, appreciate you taking the time to come on. So in our one of our previous conversations, you had a, an approach to marketing that 
was, I don't know how much background I want to give here. So oftentimes when we're working with providers in the space, they run what's called a final attribution model, meaning that the provider is tracking only the last touch point for the call that leads to an admission, which is really difficult from a marketing perspective and just not really practical for a lot of channels. In this example, TV, if I'm running a TV ad and I see a TV ad for you know a Toyota Corolla, I don't stop what I'm doing, go to the dealer and buy a Toyota Corolla, right? So there's a certain level of delay that happens in marketing. And you had a pretty, I think, good insight into that overall approach and how you approach marketing different channels. So just wanted to kind of maybe start by, if you could give us a overview of your approach to marketing as it concerns Highwatch, I think that'd be helpful. Yeah, well, and it, it's, it's funny, Nick, that you mentioned that, you know, in our space, you know, we always, you want to quantify every dollar you spend matters and you want to make sure that if you're spending that money, um, it's getting you the result you need. And that works when, you know, you're, you're trying to sell, you know, size 10 shoes, when you're trying to sell, you know, a certain kind of shirt, you can, you can capture that. You can capture the click, you can capture the conversion. Um, so we like numbers, they're easy. Um, but when you're talking about the recovery space, when you're talking about keeping beds full and getting people into recovery, I just, I personally, I just don't think it's quite that simple. Um, here at High Watch, I, I sort of try and, you know, sort of you know, surround it and, and hit the marketing from multiple angles. And as you said, with multiple audiences, and I, I talk to those audiences differently. Uh, you know, we're fortunate in that, you know, we've been around since 1939. We have a very, very robust alumni community. Uh, we have a strong reputation within, you know, in the rooms, in the meetings, um, among AA. And, you know, I talk to those folks in a certain way. You know, it's not, you know, you know pay-per-click. I'm not spending money on that directly where I can see the conversion. Um, but I cultivate our alumni network. Uh, we do it uh, via you know, social media, and we have a very robust uh, Facebook group, and we talk to them via uh, Instagram, and even through Pinterest, you know, that, that's, that's how we're trying to speak to those folks, and, and it works. Now, can I quantify it? Can I, can I say that, you know, the time and, and investment we put into, you know, those social channels is bringing folks in? No. You know, am I able to track, you know, how many guests come in every month, because of a friends and family, because of an alumni referral? Yes. Can I tie the two together? No. But if I were spending a whole lot of time on cultivating the alumni network and I weren't seeing anybody come in uh, because they were referred by an alum, you know, that would tell me something. You know, so, so that's sort of one you know, group that I target and I, and I build uh, a cultivated message to. You know, the other referral source that we spend a lot of time with is you know, sort of, you know, basically the professional network. It's, it's clinicians, it's hospitals, um, you know, they're healthcare providers, they're a little bit more savvy, and, and we, we take it to them on the ground. You know, we have, a, albeit a small, but, but a, a sales force of outreach folks who are in hospitals, you know, they're meeting with other providers, they're sharing uh, what we do and why we do it and, and why it's different. And, you know, their message is going to be very different than what I share with the alumni. You know, we're talking to alumni about the history of High Watch. We're talking about buildings on campus and photos on campus and what, 
what's fun about being at High Watch and, and building that family. You know, that's not as important to a social worker who wants to get her patient into treatment. You know, they want to know, you know, what are the treatment modalities? Um, what are the ratios of clinician to guest? You know, that, that's what's important to them. So we're, talk, we're speaking a very different language to them. Now, we're doing that uh, via digital media as well. But again, that's a different target. It's a different message. So that's, those are the two real groups that we focus on in terms of building our census and keeping high watch beds full. But there's a third group that I talk to. And that, you know, when you talk about, you know, sort of quantifying, it's v- almost impossible to quantify. And that is the, uh, what I saw the sort of the, I call the community of colleagues. These are other recovery centers. These are thought leaders in the industry. You know, these are folks in academia and it's a very different message. It's a very different delivery. You know, when we are talking to them on social, you know, we're doing it through LinkedIn. So it's a very different approach. And what we're talking about on LinkedIn is a very different message. You know, we're doing it with our conference presence. We're in their face, uh, but we're doing it in a very professional and, and, and productive way. And you know, we elevate that brand. We do different things. You know, we, we created an arm of High Watch called High Watch Media. And we are working to own the documentary space as it pertains to recovery and addiction. You know, nobody's done that yet. But at High Watch, when we step in that direction, it elevates us. You know, when we're at, you know, doing the conference circuit and we hold an event, it's got to be a great event so that people remember High Watch. Again, talking to a different audience, talking to the community of colleagues. Um, but it, 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 that, that's sort of the disparate approach that we take. Um, but it's, you know, A, it takes a lot of work. Uh, fortunately, here at High Watch, we've got a very good team. So that makes my life a little bit easier. But B, it's difficult, if not impossible, to quantify. So can I tell you unequivocally that every dollar in additional funds I spend on a specific campaign to, you know, you know, that's that's you know, a digital campaign that's driven out to, you know, folks seeking treatment. I I I can't tell you necessarily that that's leading to a conversion. Um, over time, I can determine whether or not the money I'm spending is has hit a point of diminishing return. But I I can't look at the specific click. I can't look at the specific conversion. I sort of look at my digital advertising, you know, from 30,000 feet and see, you know, and, you know, sort of ask myself, does this make sense? But it, you know, it's just so attractive because we have such access to data. It's, it's attractive to look at data to ma- make all your decisions, but it, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. I really appreciate those insights. It's the same thing on our end. You know, I think the, the biggest challenge a lot of executives have is there is so much data and it's at your fingertips. And so we like to think that data can drive every single decision that we make. Uh, But the reality is that there is just a certain level of, there's a lot of noise in the data, right? But at the same time, the data is just not going to be able to be directly trackable all the time. And so to your point, whether you're investing in relationships with other providers, 
this documentary journey that you guys are on or campaign channels like Facebook or TV or radio. I mean, when we invest in those with clients, we always see the result when you have the right messaging going to the right people, right? But you can't see that result in a one-to-one click-to-call ratio. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. So when you're thinking about your spend overall and you've got these channels where I can take a Google ad and I, I can see it very directly, right? I can see that call, click, and admission. But these other channels you can't. How do you think about allocating your percentage of spend? You know, how do you determine how much to spend on which channel, especially when you can't see the results directly per se? Well, I mean, in ter- my digital spend within you know, the digital category as I look at it, that's easy. You know, I'm just like everybody else. I'm running multiple campaigns. I'm figuring out which campaigns work. And when I say work, I mean, or at least leading me to clicks and calls. Um, do I know whether that they're good clicks or calls? Do I know whether they're converting? I, I really don't. And when I say converting, I mean actually converting to an admission. That said, you know, I, I can allocate across different uh, platforms, different channels, different campaigns. Um, but in terms of how much do I spend on digital and how much do I spend in other areas, I, I, I hate to say it and it sounds sort of corny, but it's just feel. You know, if I feel as though, if my experience indicates that if I spend, I'll pick a number out of thin air, $50,000 on a major conference in terms of you know, having a presence, hosting a major event, if I can measure that that event led to positive relationships as I evaluate, and when I evaluate a relationship, I just don't mean, did 200 people show up? I mean, did those touches at that event lead to future calls? But not just calls, but did it lead to relationships? Do I now have a key relationship or does somebody on my team have a key relationship resulting from that event that's continued not just for a week, but is it three months later and they've still got a constant dialogue? So if those things are happening, I know the money was spent appropriately and it helps inform my decisions in later years. Um, So if it went well last year, I'm going to try it again this year. So again, it's just – I'd love to say it's purely scientific. I'd love to say that it's highly quantified. It's just not. It, it's just it's just feel. Now, you have to pay attention to it as well. I'm not saying just ignore it and everything's going to fall into place. I mean, if if you're you know, hosting an alumni event and you know the sense is that the alumni who came were already friends with us, you know, that we didn't get bring in anybody new, um, you know, then maybe we, we rethink the way we do that event. We rethink the way we uh, communicate it, market it. Uh, and fill the room. Um, if I'm you know, hosting, an, if, if I'm at a National Association event in Denver and 200 people show up and I know every face in that room, eh, probably not the best spend. You know, you want, you know, of course you want to, you know, you know, keep the old friends, but you want to make new ones too. Um, and if I'm not making any new friends in that environment, it's not really an optimal spend for me. Um, so those are the types of you know, informal data points that will inform my future spending, um, but it's not a simple quantification. It's just, there's, there's no you know, spreadsheet that I can type numbers into. That, and and maybe, maybe somebody much smarter than me has figured out how to do it, um, but I just haven't. And, and quite frankly, I don't know that it's worth, worth, the, uh, worth the time. At some point, somebody has to say, hey, subjectively, this makes sense or doesn't make sense. And, you know, that's sort of, you know, 
that's what I try and do is just, you know, sort through the wheat and the chaff and, 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 and get to, uh, get to yes. Those are excellent points. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to exactly what you're talking about. There's, there's a basic thesis that you have about how the, the business works, right? And so if I know that getting people to my website leads to calls, which then leads to admissions, I can reasonably assume that anything driving people to my website is valuable, even if I can't tie it directly to the channel. And so like we see it with TV or Facebook, I'm sure you see it with Pinterest. We haven't done a lot on there, um, but you see tons of the traffic coming, right? And also and see increases in brand search, right? When you track the metrics on the back end. And so while there's no tracking tool that says, hey, this person saw a TV ad and then searched the site, you can make a very reasonable assumption that say, hey, I'm putting 25 grand in the month into TV. We're seeing a 20% increase in site traffic this month, probably related, right? And then because of that, we see a higher call volume and a higher admissions volume. And so just like you're talking about with building the relationships, my thesis here is that we know that we get you know, referrals from other providers. So if we are building referral relationships, I can make the assumption that that is also then driving um, bottom line business results. And so I, I think it's just going back in the funnel and understanding what your metrics are and understanding that a success metric, not always an admission in terms of tying it directly to a channel, but making that assumption that saying, hey, X you know, leads to Y, leads to Z. And from there, we can reasonably assume that we've had an effective spend. One, 100% correct i mean at some point you've got to use some professional judgment and make a leap and say hey if 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 x if people are clicking through if people are attending my event if people are engaging um in social that leads to either directly or indirectly and of course indirectly is the hardest one yeah um it leads to admissions and like I said, you know, the, the toughest one is that community of colleagues where I'm just trying to elevate the brand. You know, I just got I, I, I got to take a leap of faith and say, you know, maybe not this year, but next year. That's going to lead people to have a more favorable opinion of High Watch, and that in and of itself has value. Um, you know, it, yes, of course, I'm trying to fill beds. Um, but at the same time, there's an, an intrinsic value in people within our community of colleagues viewing us favorably. Um, and that's, that's important. And, yes. and I think it's so easy to forget that. I mean, I look at colleagues who are in my role um, at other recovery centers in you know, larger networks where their spend is much bigger than mine. Um, and I hear the kind of numbers they throw around. Right. And look, I don't know what I don't know, but I can tell you there comes a point where you've reached the point of diminishing returns. And, you know, if, 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 you know, I don't want to say competitor because there's no real competitors, you know, we're all colleagues here. Um, but if I have a colleague and they're spending $50,000 a week on digital and they've got, you know, the same number of beds that I do. That's insane. It, it just can't lead to cost-effective admissions. Right. That's exactly right. It just right. can't. So, I mean, we you know we have clients spending north of half a million dollars a month purely on Google Ads and, you know, same number of beds as you, right? The, the challenge that we run into is 
getting them to shift their focus to a perspective that you've got or say, Hey, look, you know, you're spending a ridiculous amount of money and this is, you know, just kind of leading to a just profitable, right? Because you spend so much money on your marketing acquisition costs. Whereas if we start investing this into search engine optimization, bigger, big business development team, Facebook and TV, and you're not able to tie those back as directly and it makes people nervous. And there's a timeline, like you said, it might not be, well, it's definitely not gonna be this month on a lot of channels, right? It's gonna be three months, maybe six until some of this stuff really starts driving results for you. But you've got to take that leap of faith and you got to understand you know, and I mean, God, we, we see it work all over the place, right? And you're clearly seeing it work at High Watch, but it's very hard for, for a lot of um, executives to let go, I think, to, to let go of the, the immediate result in the data and say, hey, okay, you know, this, this is going to be this ramp up phase and we are tracking our traffic metrics and we're tracking our relationship metrics and our referral metrics. And as long as those are continuing to go up, we know that this will eventually lead to admissions. But yeah, I mean, once you do that correctly, right, then you're spending so much less, eventually. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Yeah. I think people realize or they don't realize that diminishing returns aspect, right? Where, I mean, the, the greatest amount of people searching for treatment are not on Google, you know, and everyone thinks that that's like the be all end all. But, you know, from, from our, the data that we run on the back end, you know, we think that about 20% of any admissions in a given year are Google searches, you know, what 80% come from other sources. So, if you're just reliant on Google, you're leaving, you know, 80% of your potential admissions on the table because you're not reaching those channels where those people are. A absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Now, let me let me uh, qualify all of this. So my weekly spend at baseline in my entire digital um, portfolio is $4,000. So it's <laughs> it's easy for me to not really care so much about what that spend looks like. And, and if I go ahead and increase it, it's not that big a deal. You know, if I increase the spend, like if, if my census is running a little bit low and I increase the spend, you know, my admissions guys love it because they're getting more calls and they can, they can feel it right away. And I get that feedback. So it's easy for me to go to my CEO and say, Hey, you know, I, I, I really just, you know, I'm not comfortable spending where we are. I need to increase that. And, you know, I, I don't get any pushback whatsoever. You know, I, I have a great relationship of trust with my CEO. Now, if I were, if I were doubling, you know, instead of 4,000 to 8,000, I were saying, are you going to go 100,000 to 200,000? It might be a different discussion. Sure. So maybe it's just easy for me to say, you know, don't stress yourself about quantifying. But even that said, you, you, you got to exercise some sort of professional judgment at some point. Yeah. And you made a good point there. I mean, there it's, it's harder depending on where you are kind of in your census status, right? You know, if you're seeing your admissions come directly in from Google ads and you don't have a lot of these other channels firing yet because you haven't built them up, then it's very, very hard to say, okay, well, you need to invest more in these other channels, right? And give them three to six months to build when your census isn't sustainable as it is. And so you get caught in kind of a, a hamster wheel, right? Is what I call it where you're just stuck pouring more money into Google ads because that's all that you know is going to, you know, bring in the incremental admissions in that month. And so to make the leap and say, Hey, look, you know, we're going to take $50,000 and put it into outreach or, you know, we're going to throw another 25,000 a month at TV and commit five months to it is hard to swallow when census is already low. 
you know, but you have to, you have to make that leap. You have to take that risk at some point. And I understand how challenging that can be. Um, but there's really no other way around it. Well, and, and you, you sort of hit on something there that I think is really important too. You know, you know, we look, obviously we're always looking at all of our referral sources week to week, month to month. And at any given time, if you look at our um, full source of referrals, there's, there's never um, any one major referral source that jumps out and says, oh, wow, we can't possibly lose them. So, you know, I don't have digital driving, you know, 60% of my referrals. I don't have any one hospital driving any more than, you know, 5% of my referrals. If I, law, if, if I had to shut down digital advertising for a week, would I feel it? Absolutely. Um, would it be debilitating? Absolutely not. So you know, I can afford, you know, I, I can afford to be a little bit flexible. And if I do find there's a situation where, you know, my census is running a little low, um, I've got a dozen levers to pull to try and bring that up. I don't have to just say, oh my God, just double the digital spend and that'll get us where we need to be. And right. just, and pray that it does. And you know, pray that I haven't already hit my point of diminishing returns. Yeah, that's so smart. I, I completely agree. And I mean, even, even, I don't know if you guys do a bunch of search engine optimization or not, but we see that on that end as well, where surprisingly, you know, most of the admissions are not coming from, you know, just the drug rehab or the addiction treatment searches. That's what people kind of assume is that all the admissions are going to be coming from, you know, this one high level search. But in reality, what we see is that it's a ton of admissions coming from a bunch of one-off searches. You know, like you said, you really have one hospital is only leading to one to 5% of your admissions. And it's the same thing from a keyword standpoint. So it's not necessarily about maximizing the volume from one keyword or one channel. It's an aggregate having a whole lot of, you know, feelers out there. Right. And then every, every month it's always different too. That's the other thing that we see is, you know, it's not the same keywords driving the calls or the admissions volume every single month. Just like your referral sources aren't sending the same number of people every month. It's again, it's it's an interesting perspective, but it's it's important to understand that that diversification makes you so much more stable. And then, as you said, you can pull those levers, right? Which is phenomenal because you say, okay, look, you know, usually we get four to five. We only got one this month. I can probably go talk to that referral source, and I bet you something's going on over there that I can fix. You know, and the same thing with the channel. So, very very good points. Well, and, and you actually raise a great point, Nick, too, about SEO. When it comes down to you know, the, the metrics I do follow religiously, one of them is the ratio of paid digital referrals to you know, earned digital referrals. That's mm -hmm. sort of the way I look at it. So I always want to see that organic search number. You know, you know, north of 60% of my clicks. I mean, that's where I want to come. I want the traffic coming from organic. And, you know, of course, as you know, you know, that takes time. Um, but if, you, if, you, if you've got an effective site with great content and, and you're doing the things you need to do there, you'll see that, you'll, you'll see that borne out. I, I know a lot of folks in this space who really haven't taken the time to invest in good content. And it's, you know, it, it's amazing how many firms, you know, small firms, 
even mid-sized firms who you know put themselves out there as content generators you know will run your blog will post um x number of stories a week or, or a post a week i i recently met with a firm you know, we're all trying to get somebody's always pitching you know, us you know how that goes and you know you're you're running you're you know three posts a day on a site for a client and that's a point of pride I, not really yeah. yeah you know the the, the you know it's not Twitter, you know, Twitter rewards <laughs> quantity. It's true. Um, your, your site and SEO and, and, you know, the internet rewards quality. Correct. So if you don't have good content, what are you doing? You know, this, it's not a race. Yeah. You know, the guy with the most posts doesn't win. And, and I see that a lot and it's just a, a lack of understanding of what really drives traffic. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll definitely comment on that one because that's my world, right? And it's a challenge for us in the space because especially when you're dealing with things like search engine optimization and even social media posting, for example, um, people don't really know what quality looks like and they don't really understand the metrics and how the algorithm works and all those kind of things. And so what I found is a pressure to produce quantity from clients, you know, so depending on the level of contract that we have, you know, if it's a small one or a big one, we'll produce anywhere between like one and five pieces per site per month, but they're all very high quality pieces. And you'll get those comments that like, well, you know, we only saw one post a month on our, on our blog. And it's like, well, yes, you know, we're going to go and post three junky little pieces of content every day just so that you can see some content coming through. Um, we post quality that Google is going to rank and that actually users are interested in, right? That drives behavior once they hit that page. Um, but I can just tell you from the agency perspective that it's hard because a lot of providers do, they would prefer to see the quantity because then again, they're comfortable with that, that hard number in front of them. They're like, oh, well, we had seven blog posts this month and that's got to be got to be doing something, you know, versus just seeing one really good one come through. And then obviously on the back end in the analytics, you see the better results over time. Um, but it can be hard from an agency perspective to get clients to understand a really good approach versus just a gluttony of, of content. So, well, and, and, and for, you know, for a guy in my position, you know, you know trying to, trying to manage a marketing effort, it, it is hard to explain that to your CEO. Yeah, it is. You know, CEO's got a million things going on. Uh, he or she is, is thinking about far more than I'm thinking about. And it's easy to, to your point, it's easy to say, well, you know, we're not really posting all that much. What the heck, what, what, what are we doing here? And it's hard for me to say, well, actually, you know, we've had two posts in the last month and we've been doing that for the last two years. And our, the percentage of, you know, our organic traffic has, you know, as a, as a percentage of total traffic has quadrupled. Like that's, that, that's the long game. And it's hard to, it's, it's hard to make that argument today that in three years, you're going to see the benefit of this. Yeah. Yeah. That's really tough, you know, and then the algorithm every once in a while will just screw you <laughs> anyway. You're oh, like, and then, well. Exactly. Then you're, then you're, yeah. It like, well, why is. did we just lose 20% of our traffic? Well, you know, Google doesn't really like all the old content you have on the site or they're changing the way that they run behavioral health. Yeah, I mean, that big algorithm content or update just came through in November. It killed a lot of the larger providers, you know, where it said 
behavioral health is local. We don't want people ranking nationally as much anymore. And so we're going to focus that content locally. And that was a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people, I think. Well, and actually, it's funny you talk about um, geography and, and, and sort of breadth of, of advertising. Um, almost all of what I do is very local. Um, yeah, I don't have 500 beds to fill. Um, I have 78 residential beds. You know, in a, in a month, we're going to have another 12 beds you know, dedicated exclusively to detox. So maybe my life is easier than, than a lot of people's. Um, but I don't want to be everywhere because the more watered down my messages, I mean, well, let me rephrase the more watered down my traffic is the less the impact. That's right. You know, I come, you know, my comms background is actually in politics and campaigns and, you know, it used to be the rule of sevens. Now it's the rule of eight. Like people need to see it multiple times before they remember it. So what what's the value in one touch to a mom whose son is struggling with addiction out in California? Very little value. But if I can touch a mom whose son is struggling with addiction here in Connecticut 10 times, that matters. That's such a good point. And we, you know, we preach that to the moon all the time. I think I'm sure people have heard me on the podcast say in general, but you know, the vast majority of admissions to a residential provider are coming from 150 mile radius. And that is consistent across the country. I mean, the only place that that doesn't happen is if, you know, it's some kind of South Florida or Orange County, California provider that is just trying to, you know, get in front of crisis calls anywhere and everywhere that they can. But any other large provider, um, their admissions come from the 150 mile radius and that's what works. And then to your point, it's cumulative, right? So I can concentrate my spend, which concentrates my focus, which builds up community mindshare. And community mindshare, while you can't track it, to your earlier point, it is insanely effective at growing admissions over time. The only other, I think, key point I would add in there, and you know, you can probably comment on this with as long as you guys have been around, but the, the real key to successful marketing is delivering on your promise, right? So if I'm communicating one thing into my community and then delivering something else, that actually has a negative impact on the overall organization because people will be feel like they're lied to or not getting what they were promised out of it. Whereas if you have a consistent message in the community and deliver on that message, whatever that promise is, it will have a very virtuous effect in building and having a cumulative you know, admissions and census increase over time. 100%. Bad news always spreads faster than good news. So if somebody's unhappy, if somebody, if you didn't meet somebody's expectation, be it the guest, uh, be it the family member, you know that that's a problem. And it's it's, a, it's the you know eternal battle between operations and marketing. You know, marketing's communicating one thing, operations is doing something else. And and it's really also the consistency of your message and being true to the message you're communicating. And here at High Watch, I'll give you a great example. So no surprise, founded by Bill Wilson, we are deeply, deeply rooted in the 12 steps. Um, the 12 steps aren't for everybody. Spirituality isn't for everybody. Um, it would be very tempting to back away from that from a comms perspective and and downplay it for those individuals who say, ah, it, it, it's the 12 steps, I don't believe in God. That, that's not for me but you got to own it. And so we don't back 
away from it. We double down on it. I, I, I can't be all things to all people. But this is what we're good at. This is what we believe in. We're going to own it, and we're going to communicate it as often and as effectively as we possibly can. And, you know, it kind of works for us. So I, I, I would just say to folks, you know, don't, don't try to be everybody's solution to everybody's problem. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be everything to everyone. I mean, one, providers tend to be good at a certain approach. They attract a certain, uh, you know, level of clinician as a certain approach as well. And then it goes back to that cumulative effect that you were talking about, right? If I have a really consistent message and, hey, this is who we're good at helping, communications and positive word of mouth will spread within that community among referral partners, among families and individuals in the community. And it ends up becoming a virtuous cycle. Whereas if you're kind of everything to everybody, you know, people aren't really quite sure what you're good at. You know, they're like, well, we know they do addiction treatment, but do they really do it that well? I don't know. You know, what, what are their specialties? Whereas if someone's looking at high watch, they're going to say, Hey, they are fantastic with the 12 steps and I want a spiritual based program. And this is where I want to go. You know, so that message is loud and clear. Whereas with some other providers, I think it gets too watered down sometimes. Well, and, and to your point, in terms of you know delivering on the expectation, you know, I don't want a guest walking in here thinking that the steps aren't going to be central to their recovery program, uh, because if that's what they think, that's not what they're going to get. So it just it just helps the long term goodwill and long term positive word of mouth. If to your point, Nick, and you're 100 percent correct, if the expectation is met and if the the correct expectation is set immediately even you know before the first phone call before the intake because then at the end of the day if the expectation is not met to your point nobody's going to be happy that's right and and you know and today's internet referral um today's referral from uh, a hospital uh, crisis unit is tomorrow's alumni referral that's right and that's about as warm as warm gets who you know if you don't know high watch you don't trust high watch you, you just don't. You don't know us. You don't. You don't know to trust us yet. But maybe you trust your neighbor. Maybe you trust your cousin. You're you're, you're closer to them. You, you know, you're, you're going to take what they say a little bit more seriously. And if your cousin or your neighbor has been through High Watch, has a relative who's been through High Watch, and has had a positive experience, you know, that matters. So the informal, you know, today's informal digital referral is tomorrow's very very strong alumni referral. Uh, that's sort of the way I look at it. I mean, I think I was actually talking to one of your staff one time and they were saying that, you know, well, I went to high watch and then my dad went and then my brother went and then my brother sent his wife's brother, <laughs> you know, who sent in another referral. And it came down to like the one person ended up accounting for seven admissions, you know, so yep. it's insanely important to have those good relationships and to match that promise to what's being delivered because that, you know, has a massive impact long term. Absolutely. So how do you think about audience and messaging and timing overall? I mean, do you kind of have a strategy in place behind that? You've, you've you talked about it a little bit, but I just wonder if you could expand on that. We, so much of what's around us is dictated by someone other than us. So we just try to be at the right place at the right time um, from a, you know, especially from a field perspective, you know, we try to be in front of the right audience. Uh, from a digital perspective, we we know the cycles here. We know when we need to spend more money. 
you know, not so much when the campaigns need to change. That just that's just a function of our constant monitoring of, of what's working and not working. But you know, I would love to talk to you and and you know Im imply that I'm some sort of genius with this master master strategic plan uh, that has us doing the exact right thing at the exact right time. I'm just not that smart to accomplish that. So. You know, we just allow history to inform the decisions we make today with the expectation, with, with, with a very comfortable expectation that the things we're doing and the money we're spending to do it are at the right time and in the right way. I, I, there's, I, I don't have a master plan that, that's spelled out. I mean, I've got calendars, I've got social calendars, I've got digital calendars, and, and all that messaging flows from those calendars but they're they're just informed by past performance honestly well i think there's a lot to be said for consistency in execution uh, that tends to lead to better results over time than trying to account for every dollar we say hey look again you know building these relationships works spending some money on tv works and so i'm not really worried if i got three admissions or one admission off that channel last month i know that it works and so over the long term, it's the right move. It's the right investment. And you know, maybe you can speak to that about the in-person events because I know Highwatch you know, invests quite a bit in their in-person events. You mentioned already that you don't necessarily track it exactly, but over the long haul, you know, what have you seen as a return on that investment in those in-person events? Let me talk about how we do events. So like I said, if, if I'm spending the money to send a team to an event, um, I'm going to make that initial best investment worth it. So if we're somewhere, be it at a conference or, or if we're just doing a regional visit, um, we're honestly, we're going to spend quite a bit of money on an event that's memorable. Um, I don't, I don't want to be indistinguishable from everyone else who's there. If you're, if, if you're at a conference, you're going to walk away from it saying, Wow, that high watch conference was really outstanding, or that high watch event was really outstanding. I can't wait till you know to see what they do next year. That's my goal um, in terms of how we we make a splash. There's no point in just showing up and blending in. There's, there's very little value in that. The second thing that is, I think is important to remember, and and you you sort of said it, is that so much of it is just very intangible. And you know, am I necessarily going to get you know, can I say, hey, we're going to spend $30,000 on a really great event at uh, a national conference, and from that, I'm going to get 30 referrals this year. I just can't. I just can't, uh, especially for a place like Highwatch that isn't really dependent upon national referrals. But what it does do, uh, and again, very difficult to quantify, what it does do is elevate the brand such that the next conference I go to people seek us out and they want to talk to us and people come looking for the high watch presence. People are asking the question, Hey, I'm going out to San Diego. Um, have you heard what high watch is doing? We should always be top of mind. And again, not necessarily top of mind with our colleagues in terms of, Hey, are we going to refer to high watch? But top of mind uh, with our colleagues when they think of, hey, who's, who's really at the forefront of our industry? Who 
has really has their finger on the pulse of what our collective guests need. Um, and if High Watch isn't on that list, I'm not doing my job. Quantifiable? Absolutely not. Um, but there is a qualitative component to this too. And you just sort of have to measure it by, you know, honestly, one of my biggest, um, you know, the biggest feedback I get is the relationships my CEO has with other CEOs. Um, and the relationships that my um, outreach team has with members of other outreach teams from other colleagues. Um, very often you, you go to conferences and you, we call it, you know, marketers marketing to marketers. And, you know, the outreach folks from different places get together and it's just sort of a gab fest and it doesn't really um, result in anything tangible or intangible other than some personal friendships. But when outreach folks from another uh, recovery center are engaging with outreach folks from High Watch, um, I like to think it's a little bit different because of the brand reputation that we've built. You know, people are seeking out my outreach folks because they want to talk to High Watch's outreach team. Not because they're buddies from 30 years ago or 10 years ago, or five, but because it's High Watch. And so I'm guessing that's how you also look at like the documentary and you guys are doing that big global exchange conference um, coming up at Disney, right? Is that a similar thought process? 100%. Again, tangible, not really. Uh, and, and I'm actually glad you mentioned the global exchange conference. Um, you know, we've been going to conferences for years, just like everybody else has been going to conferences to years. And, and they're, they're all kind of the same. You know, there's the exhibit floor. You're going to meet some folks from the industry. You're going to go to some sessions and maybe there are going to be some evening events. And, and we really felt that that was shortchanging the industry. So we decided, we, High Watch, decided that uh, it would be a great idea to bring the worlds of addiction, treatment, mental health, and wellness together at one event that was more than just a trade show. Um, so we founded the Global Exchange Conference, which is coming up on uh, November 1st to November 4th uh, this year. It's our inaugural event and we're, it's actually hosted at Walt Disney World in Florida. And to your point, if we do it, we have to do it well. Everything we do has to be excellent. So our list of presenters is you know, top notch. You know, we, we created a you know, two minute teaser for the event. And you know, the, the, the video is beautiful and the words are beautiful. And that could have been enough except we said, well, let's go the step further. And we got Whoopi Goldberg to do the narration. You know, everything we do has to be excellent. And that is part and parcel of what we're bringing to the table at the Global Exchange Conference. Uh, it's gonna be an experience that most, if not all conference attendees and you know, regular conference attendees, um, it's gonna be something they've not seen before. Uh, and it's really going to change the way that the mental health, uh, addiction recovery, and wellness worlds see conferences. And that's how you elevate the brand. You elevate the brand by A, doing it differently, but most importantly, B, doing it with excellence. And you know, easy to say, 
but it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's <laughs> right, a lot of work right. and it drives yeah. us nuts. And we try to, we try to outdo ourselves, but anything worth doing is worth doing well. And, and that's sort of the mantra that we take into just about everything we do from a marketing perspective. Well, I think that works, right? You know, I always make the comment that, you know, if, if business growth was just about good advertising, then Joe Schmo's coffee shop on the corner could become the next Starbucks just by, you know, copying some marketing campaigns. But Starbucks' success isn't about their marketing, right? Starbucks' success is about their execution on amazing service and good coffee consistently every single place you go. Um, so I think you're speaking to that same point, right? I mean, you came from the marketing world um, outside the treatment space originally. I think it just sounds like you've brought some of that expertise with you and saying, hey, look, excellence is everything and excellence in execution here. And, you know, marketing is just an amplification of what we're good at. It's not creating the message. It's amplifying the message that we've already made as an organization internally. Right. And, and, and the message has to uh, run parallel with how you want your organization identified. You know, wh what's what's the one word, you know, that you want somebody to think of when they think of you? You know, and again, I, my, my background's in you know, politics and campaigns. So you know, what's that one thing I want people to say about my candidate? You know, maybe my candidate is tough. Uh, maybe my candidate uh, is caring, whatever that may be. But it's got to speak to the voter. It's got to, so in our case, it's got to speak to our audiences, plural. Um, and there has to be a story behind it. Now, fortunately, in High Watch, we've got a great story to tell. Um, but it's got to be consistent with what you want your target audience walking away with in their minds. Like, what do I think of when I think of High Watch? And, and that may be different, again, different depending on your audience. Uh, but it's got to be very clear and it's got to come through in every single communication you have. Yeah, I love it. Well, Jason, if someone wanted to contact HiWatch or you, what would be the best way to do that? You know, the easiest way, honestly, is, is to go to our website. Um, it's highwatchrecovery.org. And of course, you know, anybody can email me at any time. Your audience is, I, I love to talk. So your audience is welcome to reach out. And it's um, Jay Perillo, J-P-E-R-I-L-L-O, you know, again, at highwatchrecovery.org. And um, you know, it's more than happy to talk shop with anybody who's, and, and learn from anybody. You know, I, I don't have a you know, none of us have a, a monopoly on good ideas, so I'm happy to talk to anybody at any time. Well, again, really appreciate you taking the time for all our listeners out there. This is the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski, and we'll see you guys next time. Nick, thanks a lot.